0: Welcome to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, Episode 3. My guest today is Frank Powers, the creator of Pissed Off Panda, an independent comic book. In the interview, we spoke about how he created the character Pissed Off Panda, how he brought it from an idea all the way into publishing. We also spoke a little bit about wrestling and the entire comic industry. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to check out my website, popanimecomics.com, and click on those affiliate links. If you buy something from those affiliate links from Amazon.com, I get a small commission that helps to keep my podcast costs lower. Also, feel free to share this podcast, as well as if you would like to advertise on this podcast, please feel free to shoot me an email at andrew at with subject advertisements. So how did you discover that you wanted to be a cartoonist?
1: I wanted to be, well, let me first say, hello everybody, good to see you, great to hear me, but I came up with Pissed Off Panda, uh, it, was, it, wasn't, uh, it was a few years ago, but I knew I wanted to be a cartoonist my whole life, like I've, uh, I was the art kid in school, so when I was young, that was definitely what I did, I liked to draw, I was always me dragging my art supplies around with crayons and markers and all that stuff. And I always told people that uh, I've always known I've wanted to be a cartoonist since, like, second grade. I knew I either wanted to be a cartoonist or a stand-up comedian. So in my cartoon, I'm kind of a stand-up comedian. I'm a talk show host in my cartoon, so it's pretty fun.
0: So growing up, did you have anybody who influenced you as to want to be a cartoonist?
1: I think uh, if it's anything, mostly, it'd be Jim Davis. It was the Sunday comics. I loved the comic section so much. I always thought I'd wind up doing, uh, I'd wind up doing comic strips more than anything else. And, I, and I've done a bunch of comic strips. Well, usually they're one-panel comic strips. But I've done a bunch of comic strips and all that. And then as, as time would go on, I just kind of had bigger stories that had bigger jokes. And that's what made me kind of want to look like. Let's do this in, as comic books and do it as long, kind of more story arc storytelling. You know, that, that was it. But it was mostly the Sunday comics because it kind of pulled back the veil that a person can make comics because on the if you look at the Sunday comics, um, unlike cartoons or animation or anything like that, everything has uh, you know everything has its like credits at the end, right? Every talk show, every every cartoon, every anything like that has credits. But I think that they kind of fall, you know, they, they kind of look like wallpaper. No one really reads the credits. The credits are boring. You already turn it off. Uh, as opposed to the comic section which it was print. So there's your print, there's your cartoon sitting right there, and it says, by Jim Davis, or by Charles Schultz. And as a young kid, like eight, nine, and all that, it made me realize, like, there's one guy that's doing this. This is one dude drew this. And I wound up seeing a CBS special uh, that was uh, for the anniversary of Garfield or the anniversary of uh, of someone, and they showed a bunch of cartoonists of – the guys drawing Superman and, and High and Lois and Kathy and all that stuff. And I had never seen cartoons drawn right in front of my eyes. There's the daily comic strips getting drawn right in front of my eyes. It's just this person doing it, and they're the one behind it. And that, to me, made it the reality that I could grow up and do that.
0: So when you were growing up, did you submit any comics to any local newspapers or your school newspaper?
1: I did, I, uh, I did to a degree. Not, not so much
0: uh, as publicly
1: as I wish. And that's, a, that's kind of – I don't have a lot of regrets, but um, that is, that's a bit of regret. And advice that I always give to anybody uh, is if you're in college, enter contests. Because once you get out of college or high school or when you're in school in general, enter contests. Because you can't do that when you're out of school. There's lots of contests out there for students to help them – you Know, get to the next level and help achieve because everyone you know feels for students. But secondary out of school, you don't qualify for a lot of contests, and there's a lot of free money out there. So, when I was younger, I didn't really take advantage of that, but I did submit some things. And I did wind up doing like I wound up doing the yearbook, you know, the yearbook cover for my yearbook. I was the, the main art, the main art kid for the art show. Like, my thing was the one that says the art shows this way. Like, so when it came to school, they, def- they definitely uh. Championed me a good amount, but I didn't submit publicly as much as I would I, I would have liked. And I, I definitely recommend that anybody should do that. They definitely should try. I of course did try to send some comic strips in or try out for Marvel Comics, but I was way, 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 way out of my league and not not talented enough at that at the time. But you do it, you do it because you, you try. And you know, uh, maybe when I was a little too young, I, I did take no for an answer. You know, and you get a little dejected. So don't take no for an answer. You got to just follow through, follow through, follow through. Remember, it's you. Versus everybody, there's thousands and thousands of people that are sending letters and are submitting. And if you sent it once, and someone else sent it twelve times, who do you think they're going to pick? So keep that in mind. Send your stuff out, but yeah, that, that's one thing. I didn't do that enough, but uh, but I did it a few times.
0: So to jump up and kind of speed this up a little bit here, your your early life. Um, when did you want to apply for the school of visual arts?
1: I want I want I knew it. I knew that's where I wanted to go. That was it. And they say not to put your eggs in one basket, but that was it. I looked for schools. Um I was ready for college. I was very ready to go to college. I didn't skip anything. I never I never took a summer off, took a break in between. I went right from 12th grade to essentially 13th grade. You know, turn 18, I'm, st- I'm go right to college. So the schools that I looked into was Cal Arts in California. And that was, I think, more animation-based. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure if I would have gotten in there. I mean, that's where, like, Brad Bird wound up going and, and uh, some of Disney's top and greatest people, the people working at Pixar, Cal Arts. Um, there was the Ringling Brothers School of Design, which obviously sounds familiar because it's the, the Ringling Brothers Circus. So the Ringling Brothers have an art school down in Florida. I was looking at someplace in France, of all places, just for a minute. But I really only submitted to the School of Visual Arts, and I grew up in Long Island, or on Long Island, and... Uh, that was in New York City, so that kind of was a factor, even though it was kind of an expensive school. It was down the block. I would take the train, and I would commute and go to school uh, that way. So I still got to live at home, which obviously was a huge factor when it came to money, you know, I, and that affected my decisions to some degree, but I really wanted to go. When, when I looked at everything, the School of Visual Arts was the only place at the time that had a program specifically catering to cartooning and comics as like a major the major I took, and I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, no matter who you ask, in, the, in uh, cartooning and illustration. So that's, uh, that's what my degree is. So it's in cartooning and illustration. And to have a degree that says you're a cartoonist, that's pretty cool.
0: So when you were there, did you have any professors who really inspired you to you know, go out and cartoon more?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, because you're dealing with the people that and, and all that I mean, I graduated from school now twelve years ago, so some of the some of the names are, are are slipping away. But when you have Carmine Infantino, who invented the Flash in the Silver Age, as one of the people that you can talk to, that's amazing. You know, did I take up every opportunity? No, I, I probably didn't, because that's where the commuting kind of came into a be a factor. I learned more in the last year when I moved in and lived in New York City and made more friends in that last year than I did any year going three years commuting because you really didn't have you didn't want to run out of class you just said oh well I live five minutes away let's hang out with Carmen and infantino let's hang out with you know some of the, the guy that does spy vs. spy Peter Cooper let's hang out with and talk to the guy that used to do Archie and was teaching me I think is uh, Sal uh, uh, as an amendola that taught me perspective and used to work for Archie comics and just build the, some of the relationship that you would get out of some of these people one of the best uh, one of the best teachers I had was probably um, the guy that uh, he actually one of the best lessons I got was he he went he was the guy that he helped design a lot of Pee Wee's Playhouse and he he was uh, uh, he had a substitute teacher come in one day and that dude was like the best man at Matt Groening's wedding or vice versa or Matt Groening was the best man at his wedding so talking to these people about just you know shooting the shit and being able to ask them. Honestly, like, hey, is there, is there any way I cannot not get screwed on my first deal? Someone asked one day in the class. And I'll tell you, we got a really good, honest, provocative answer of, no, there's not. You know, and that was interesting and really almost scared the shit out of me because I don't want anyone to take Pissed Off Panda away from me at some point. And back in the day, uh, with the way things work, you kind of got to sign your rights away for everything that you want to do. And Hollywood works where people will, will write a script – and they sell that script, and then that's it. And if that person wants to make it or not, they own it, and you don't get to make it anymore. So there's a certain thing when it comes to selling your rights that always kind of scared the crap out of me. And some people are just working cartoonists, working artists. They can do it. They can go be a, car- a designer. They want us to draw Spider-Man. They don't have creative characters of their own, or they don't have a story to tell, so maybe they can create characters. They can create 150 Pokemon, and they don't care that they're giving them away because they would never do anything or do that project. So that is their job. They go in, they draw for somebody. Here you go, I punch out and I go home. Maybe they have a project they're working on on their own that's very different. Maybe they don't and they get fulfilled from their job. But I knew that when it came to my character, it definitely was a bit more personal and it was something I want to hang on to. And it was going to be the thing that I want to have forever, just like speaking of Matt Groening, like he kept Life in Hell. He gave them The Simpsons because when he found out that they were originally going to make a cartoon of Life in Hell, it's like, oh, but I have to sell it to you. And I don't get to do this anymore. He's like, let me give you another one of my ideas and came up with The Simpsons in essentially, I believe it was a week's time and named it after his family. Here's a cartoon family. It's named after his family. Bart's an anagram for brat. Here you go. And he didn't have a sentimental attachment to that project. Whereas... I have quite a sentimental attachment to my project and that's why the time we're living in now where you can maintain some of your rights, you can build a character up on your own and make it worth something so that when it comes down to, hey, someone wants to maybe buy this as a television show or someone wants to do something with it, I can, you can hold on to certain rights and give them just the TV rights or just the cartoon rights. Like if you've seen The Tick, The Tick has showed up in very different incarnations where all the sub-characters are different. But the tick and Arthur remain the same. And that's because Ben Enlin has a different rights negotiated with every different media he's used. And that's intelligent and smart so that he can kind of maintain control of the tick. And that's so, to me the way to do it.
0: Are you like a proponent of creator-owned like yes. a me, like image? Yes. Yep.
1: Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Now, that being said. Would I ever, if Marvel Comics wanted Pissed Off Panda, because that's another thing about now and why I think that now was the time to strike. Pissed Off Panda turns 13 this year, right? It's not something I've been doing just overnight. It's this character I've had for a long time, and it's finally time to really put as much effort as I can, because years ago, society and and the way creativity was, Pissed Off Panda, it was okay, but I don't think it would have mattered as much. Now look at what Marvel has done with Rocket Raccoon, with Howard the Duck is back and popular in comics with the tongue-in-cheek Squirrel Girl as a superhero. I believe that's a DC comic. Like, there's a little more tongue-in-cheek and not this serious tone that was going on in comics when the X-Men movie came out. When the X-Men movie came out, mainstream comics were like, okay, we have to, and the fans themselves were like, superheroes wearing yellow spandex, Wolverine would wear yellow spandex, that's fucking stupid. And then, society rolls along, and what happens? It's been a few years, they all look like they've been in the Matrix, and now it's like, wait a minute, Superheroes don't look like superheroes. I don't understand this. We want it back. We want our nostalgia. We want Wolverine back in the yellow tights. And that's what they did. They got, And who did it? Joss Whedon did it, I believe, in the comics, in Astonishing X-Men. And that's when they, as and the, the characters themselves, say, we need to put the uniforms back on. And Wolverine says, ugh, why? And, he, and it's because we represent, we're a symbol of something. We represent something, and they they even used it in the continuity of the comics that the characters realize they've been dressing differently for a few years. They need to dress the way they used to. And now when you look at the way people are now, the fact that Rocket Raccoon and, like I say, Howard the Duck and these crass, anthropomorphic characters that smoke cigars and have a fucking attitude are in, well, then I'm striking while the irons are. I've I've been ahead of the curve for a while. So, it's really, I want to get it in front of more eyes and morons and, and in your faces. That's what I've been saying now more than ever because I feel like the, the audience is there, you know, more than it's ever been. I can feel it, I can feel the audience is there more than it's ever been because I can see it in my, in my page views, in my web hits, in my Facebook likes, things like that. It's catching on. And part of it is because I'm putting a lot of effort into it, but also society agrees this shit's funny. So, there you have that.
0: So, I want to go more into Pissed Off Panda. Um, Obviously, the the character is a panda. And really, you know, pandas aren't that threatening. I don't think humanity views a panda as a threat. I mean... Certainly
1: not. (laughs) Certainly not. The only (laughs) thing endangered is his patience. So, that's what I tell people.
0: I mean, when I have a bad day, I go on, you know, the National Zoo and I look at the cute little baby panda. So... How did you? What was your inspiration for creating a pissed off panda, which is the opposite and kind of a threatening panda?
1: I—it's actually well. Here's here's the best part about pissed off panda. Why it is so personal? It's a true story. It's a true story of how I actually met pissed off panda because I did meet pissed off panda. So here's here's how it is. I told this story because I have a few comics out already. Uh, I have the the origin story of pissed off panda. And that is a story I told using cartoons and using, uh, using cartoons, comics, and actual photographs from this trip. So I was in love with this girl, all right? We, and uh, I wound up flying across the country impulsively one morning. I just decided I need, she had moved away. And it had been a month. We were on the phone. And it says, and we're trying to hang up. We'd been on the phone for like six to eight hours, all right? It was like four in the morning. And I'm like, God, oh, never gets any easier to say goodbye to you. And then she's like, then just say, I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, right, see you tomorrow. Problem is, I'm a man of my word. So I wind up, uh, the thing in Long Island that a lot of people do, they drive on Ocean Parkway, and you do a lot of thinking. And I got out, and it was early, so the beach was open. I start writing in a book. I'm sitting on the beach writing in my sketchbook, and I don't write. I don't sit and write emotional stuff like a diary or a journal. I draw. This is the first time I'm writing in a long time. Blah, 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 writing and ranting and raving. And I just go, I should just go there. I should just go. And I stare at that sentence and a plane flies overhead and I say, fuck it. And I jump up and I run to my car. I fly home at almost 100 miles an hour. I blow red lights all of a sudden. Like, I need to do something. Like that I'm blowing red lights. It's insane. I got to go. I I check the airline and I'm like, all right, there's a flight leaving at 9 o'clock in the morning. Okay, I call a cab. Hey, what are the odds that you can get me to the airport by this time? Oh, we don't think so, but we'll see. So right as, and I'm 21 at this point. I'm 21, and the first time I'd ever been on a plane was three weeks earlier, and I haven't, I went to Disney World with my family. Um, so I'd never been on a plane, but now I have this small amount of XP where I've leveled up. I know how to go to an airport. So let's use that. It's three weeks later, and I get to the airport, and it's pre-9-11, so you can just buy a ticket and say, I'd like to go on this fight, please. Oh, it's leaving right now. Thank you, and I get on a plane. So I get on a plane, so I get on a plane and I fly across the country, and the big thing that uh, so I wind up in Arizona, which is where I live now. I hang out with this girl, I hang out with uh, you know with uh, her boyfriend at the time. We were all a big group of friends, so you can see how it was obviously a little confusing. That's the way life is. But we talk, nothing ever happens uh, at that time. But you know uh, nothing happens at that time. But I wind up you know saying, well, let's just be best friends and move forward and move on, and we are, and we were, and that's what happened. The other thing that happened that really depressed me at the time that made me need to fly across the country was my sister had moved away. After that trip to Disney, that was the point of doing that was it was saying goodbye to my sister who moved to California. So, well, I'm already in Arizona. Let's take the bus, get on the bus, which I don't recommend doing ever. Don't take your greyhound across the country. It's a nightmare. But I get on the bus. I go to California. She lives in San Diego. She's been there a minute. Her stuff hasn't even arrived. So what do you do in San Diego? You go to the San Diego Zoo. What's their big thing? Their big thing is pandas. So I'm in the gift shop and I'm looking around to get something to give to my mom because they were, of course, furious that I just up and left. But they understood eventually because I was gone at this point for like, I wound up staying away for three and a half to four weeks. I just had to go. There was a lot going on in my life and and I was troubled and in love and and disappointed. My sister was gone and and all this stuff. And sometimes that's the way the world works and you just got to take an action and be impulsive. So there I was, and I'm like, I better get something for my mom to make up for taking an action and being impulsive. And I'm looking on the shelf in the gift shop, and there's all these goofy-looking panda bears those little dolls. And there's one of them sitting there, and he's, like, misstitched. And I say, oh, look at this one. He looks pissed off. I pick him up. I'm like, oh, look, it's pissed off panda. And that was it. And that was it. And I, I even took some photos with him that day. And those are the photos that eight years later I realized I should use these photos. That's how I'll tell the story. Because the way I tell the story in the comic book is it's an origin story. It's a slideshow. So my cartoon character, is, it's he's, he's running a slideshow. And all the slides are real photographs. We made it kind of fun. Um, and that's what happened. So I, I go back to uh, – so I come back. I get that little doll. I come back home. And I draw, you know, since I'm in the sketchbook, college starts again, and I, I draw in my sketchbook this one picture. This one picture is, Pissed Off Panda hates dancing hippos. And the joke there was really the hippo, which was this big, goofy-looking hippo. And Pissed Off panda just standing there stoically looking at him, but you can tell he hates him. And we pass our sketchbooks around in each class and on every floor of the dorms and stuff. Let me tell you, it's no lie, when every single person, without fail, stopped on this page that was near the back of an entire sketchbook filled with hundreds of characters, hundreds of cartoons and doodles and all this silly stuff. And everyone stopped on this page and laughed and asked me, who's Pissed Off Panda? And I'm like, oh, well, he, he's a little jerk. He, uh, he hates everything. Does he hate this? Well, yeah. And I would draw it. Does he hate this? Yeah. <laughs> and it became a thing. And I put all those things in pissed off what I called Pissed Off Panda's Book of Hate. There's all the things that Pistol Panda hates. Pistol Panda hates, draw some funny picture, laundry day. Pistol Panda hates MC Hammer pants. Whatever was going on or whatever was trending or whatever was funny. Just some goofy stuff. Not that MC Hammer pants were trending or anything. I don't want to date myself. But you can see what I'm saying, where it just became this kind of running joke between me and my friends. Eventually, I would take all of those over the years, over the do- you know, over the dozen or so years, and that was the second book that I made to follow up that origin story, which, like I just kind of told you, the origin story tells how that's what we did. I made this book of hate. So, the next year... I, cre- I released a professionally you know, professionally published book of hate, all in full color, 52 pages of rages of all the things that Pissed Off Panda hates. I made some new ones. I used all the old ones. It's all these awesome cartoons from all the all the years of Pissed Off Panda for gifts that I would make for holiday cards and, and other pictures and drawings, anything that I to do with them. I say that they took place in a different book of hate that exists, and this is his greatest hates. So it was really fun where I got to use all my art and almost kind of emotionally get it out of me. Now I've published this. They're out there. On to the next thing. Because if you keep building stuff up but never releasing it, you just kind of – you have all this stuff. You have to release it so you can make room for new ideas. And that's what happens. So now I had told the origin story. I told all the greatest hates, and that's everything that he's done. And now the newest project has been actually doing a fully uh, self-titled pissed-off panda number one, going from number one on to infinity – just like any other comic book, just like Bone, just like everything, and telling big stories, story arcs, one-shots, mini-comics in the back, some true stories and some that are just complete fun comics, and actually releasing Pissed-Off Panda like the full-fledged fictional character that he absolutely is, and it stars a cartoon version of me, and it also stars some other characters that were able to kind of come falling out once I invented Pissed-Off Panda. Once I invented him... I'll tell you, it was like I had my Bugs Bunny and all the other characters just kind of all of a sudden made sense because I had this one pillar of a character to build it around. And that, that to me was what I had been lacking for so long. It was that. So finally I had this foundation so that every funny character and every goofy joke and every punny name could just be another character, an ancillary character to him. And that, that unleashed the creativity. It really did.
0: So to segue right into other characters, you have a character called Pig Benis.
1: Ah, uh, it's actually, it rhymes with Venus. That's right. It's Pig Venus, and you know you'll love every inch of them.
0: That's right. <laughs> so the question is, how did you create that, and where did that, that come from?
1: That is just a play on words, because everyone's heard of Tig Old Bitties, right? That's what we all say for that one. <laughs> well, she got some Tig Old Bitties, all right? That's called Spoonerism. A spoonerism is a word that when you, it's a couple words when you flip the first letter of a couple different words, right? So one day, hanging around my friend in the basement, we were just goofing around, and that somehow got said. We came up with that and laughed (laughs) until we were hurting. I mean, we were dying over this joke. It was just this funny joke. That we, there it is. And I think we were even just trying to come up with a screen name. I think we were trying to come up with a screen name for something. You know, you sign up for stuff you need a new screen name. Um, and I think that's what what spawned it, was, was that. So, so that happened, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to draw that. So that was it. I started drawing a tiny, adorable pig. So, all right, let's draw a pig, let's draw a pig, let's draw a pig. Just draw them a bunch of times, so finally it was like it started to look like a character. Um, and the way that I've come up with Pig Venus and kind of the character of Pig Venus, which is super fun about him, is that he doesn't get the joke, Right. He does not get the joke. Now, uh, since I have to explore things, I've, I've teeter-tottered over the years, too. How mature is this book, besides it being obviously very immature? But is this South Park? Is this Family Guy? Is it The Simpsons, which might not be as crass as obviously South Park or Family Guy? You know, there's levels that you can do your jokes at. And how much do, like, how much do I want to curse? How much do I want to be crass? How much, you know, how dirty is it? And I'll tell you, sometimes, because here's the other thing. I'm a super, like, sweetheart. I draw super cute. And I love G-rated jokes, too. I'm, a, I'm, if, if, I'm super punny. My job is uh, I get to make uh, I make signs at a grocery store, right, Cause, uh, which is really fun, all right? Because my job is to basically, I have to make the bananas more appealing, all right? I have to say, here's all the olive oil. Try all of them, okay? Things like that where it's so stupid. Right and making funny punny jokes, but I'll tell you that's me. And uh, I have a thought: if puns were lunch meat, I'd be the worst. And I always tell people that one. So that's kind of my sense of humor. And I draw super cute. And I've made some children's books. Uh, That was one of my first jobs was drawing children's books because that's my style. I draw super adorable. Uh, In Japan, it's called like kawaii with the big eyes and super Japanese. Like I love drawing like that. Um, so with him, he is super adorable, but. Uh, and, and that is my style, but I wasn't sure how much I want to, how R rated I'm making this thing or how mature I'm, I'm making it. And I'll tell you a buddy of mine at a point recently, it was recently, he just said to me one day, because there is that side of me that is as crass as anything and as rude as, as anybody you've ever met. And as you get older, I think some of that falls away. Because again, I invented Pistol Panda in my early twenties when man, I was a, I was a rageaholic. Like who wasn't when you're, when you're young, you, you have a lot of this angst and you have a lot of rage and you do hate the government. And it was George W. <laughs> Bush was president for goodness sakes. How are you not mad? You know, all this stuff that like, when you're young, you're just kind of mad at the world. And as you get older, you kind of simmer down. So that's, I think where I've had some of this stuff, but then it's like, but I have it's pissed off Panda and his best friend is pig Venus. There's no escaping what this is and who I am. It is dick and fart jokes. Kevin Smith is my hero. Like, (laughs) that's what it is. And he just looked at me and he's just like, dude, own it. And I don't know why that that felt like a slap in the face of like, yeah, like that woke me up. Like, Like, just like, oh, yeah, duh. Like, own it. You know? And I'm like, you're right. Fucking own it. So that's exactly it. And it kind of made it. Easier to deal with. Now Pissed Off Panda, you know the way that I've started describing him just in this past like few months? I'm like, they're like, well, so what's Pissed Off Panda? I'm like, oh yeah, he's a fucking jerk. All right? And everybody usually laughs at that. Like that's what it is. Like he's a fucking jerk. And just using that hard F. And that's the funny thing about me is that I even have a tattoo and my logo for my company is an F-bomb because that was my nickname. Because I use fuck like a comma. All right? I grew up in New York. I mean, that's just what it is. So... <laughs> um and again as i got older it's almost like maybe try to not you know say fuck so much get it in control otherwise this podcast would be like so the fucking thing is that you don't fucking know when i fucking met pistol pan i fucking this and my dad (laughs) got to me that i'm he he just pointed out to me he's like you sound ignorant because i'm saying fuck so much and i'm like you know you're right so i kind of got that in control and got my potty mouth a little more under control but the point is don't be afraid to say it own it be who you are still talk like that be rude But do it in the correct way, you know, and it's like, own it. It's like, you know what, that's right. Because own it is also, I think, uh, the equivalent of saying control it at the same time, you know, because I don't want it to be fuck, 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 fuck. That's not good. Because when you also with writing, here's the thing, and I've noticed this, and this was a critique I got that made a lot of sense for my dad told me this once too. He was reading something I wrote. He's like, yeah, but when you say fuck, I stop because I don't say fuck. So it stops me. And it takes me out of what I'm doing. And I notice that. I'm like, you know what? You're right. And I've noticed that happens to me if I'm reading something. Even if it's something that's like, that's a hyper-intelligent word or something I would never say. I wouldn't talk like that. It gives you pause. And curse words do that. If someone's not, you know, acclimated to talking like that, they're not acclimated to reading like that. And it stops them. So it's like, okay, that's something I do need to figure out and control. So that was a thing too. So going back to what you were asking me, basically. So then there's Pig Venus. Again, you'll love every inch of them. A slip of the tongue makes it a little more fun. It's comedy gold. I even just made pig penis tape measures. That's my newest product that I sell, is a Pigbenus tape measure. Hilarious, all right? It should probably only go to 11 inches. <laughs> Any bigger than that, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So, so there's that. But that's what I really uh, figured out. And it's like, you can control it by, re- I realize what it is. Pigbenus doesn't get the joke. He's a different type of archetype of the character. As is Pistol Panda, and as I'm getting to the kind of third character in the book, is me. There's a cartoon version of me in the book because this is all very biographical, and I guess I take from my own life. And you know what? Even Picasso used to do self portraits, so you know what? Fuck you. I'm in the book, that's right. I always said, if I ever, like I said, if I could grow up to be anything, I would have been a cartoon, all right? People have told me more times than anything else, you're like a cartoon character. And I'm like, well, you know what? I am a cartoon character. And that's exactly it. Uh, I've heard that more than anything. Have you ever been told like, you know what celebrity you remind me of? I've I've gotten that four times in my life. Four times. (laughs) And you know what all four people said?
0: Freakazoid.
1: Do you remember Freakazoid? The cartoon from like it's
0: the... a 90s. little bit before my time, but okay, I know so who he
1: is. Here. Okay, so you're around the time of the 90s when Tiny Toon Adventures came out, Animaniacs came out. There was another cartoon called Freakazoid, and he was super teen extraordinaire. Freakazoid, Freakazoid. He was a cartoon created by the same people that created Batman, but it was a fun, super, hilarious parody of superheroes. and It was, it was uh, one of the better things that uh, came out of the DC animation, but it only ran about a couple years. How come something that ran for a couple of years, back in the early 90s, back when I'm growing up, all this stuff, four times in my life that people have said, you know who you remind me of? Who? Freakazoid? What is that? You know what that is? That's fucking up. Okay? Because I love Freakazoid and he's a lunatic. And that's kind of great. That's who I'm reminding people of. So that's kind of the whole thing of it is that I'm a cartoon character. Why can't I be a cartoon character in my own book? The whole thing's a biography anyway. So I might as well do it. Pissed off Panda, Pig, Venus, and me are almost like my ego and superego. That, I mean, that's some of what it is. But at the same time, this is something that we've all seen before. It's, it's a grouch. It's a dumb guy. And it's kind of a nice guy leader. It's, it's, it's Mickey. It's Goofy and Donald. It's Bone, Phone Bone, Funny Bone. It's, it's Larry, Moe and Curly. That's, it's a type of storytelling. It's, it, it, it's a way to tell stories with these kind of three archetype characters, even the, even the Powerpuff Girls. You've seen it before. So that's what I realized. Like, I do have in, in my control. And uh, Pig Venus offers the balance to me and Pissed Off Panda are the, the yin and the yang. Okay. Because as much as I say I'm like the John Arbuckle to his Garfield, I also fight back. I'm not as dumb as John Arbuckle is. Like, I fight back. You know, we are two characters. We don't get along, but we have a lot in common. We are best friends, even though he hates my guts. Then with Pig Venus, he offers kind of the perfect naive. Uh, difference. He's the third vote that, if me and him are disagreeing, Pig Venus would be the third vote that pulls it in one direction, which will most likely be the direction of Frank's character, because Pistol Panda will, of course, be anti doing anything, you know. But that's even the thing. Like I say, with him being so naive, it's great because as crass and as rude as I can make this book get and have it be Pistol Panda flipping people off and saying "fuck you" and making dick jokes, the fact that the main dick joke character doesn't even get it. I think is fun. He's naive. He's adorable. And does he actually have a huge dick? We'll see. <laughs> when, so, it comes, when it comes to cartoon characters and their private parts, who the fuck really cares? But if there's some jokes that get to get made in there,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. This is where the wrestling part comes in. Oh, so do you ever, yeah, dig it. Do you ever feel that, obviously, WWE has gone through from the Attitude Era to the PG Era? Do you ever feel that your comic could go from, you know, what would I perceive to be the attitude error of it to PG, or is it always going to be attitude?
1: It's going to get more attitude, and you want to know why, and I'll talk about this a little bit, I'll, you know, because I see it. Look, I'm a mode of mouth, and I can, talk, I can talk miles and miles. So let me talk about the attitude error, and this is what people and wrestling fans don't seem to get, okay? Society itself, it's called the 90s, was going through an attitude error. Everything was harder darker, meaner, just again, look at the superheroes in in spandex. They look like faggots. And you'd say that, okay, that was still a normal term. Everyone was a fag. That was a word that you just do. This is gay. That's this. You would, it was crass. It was harder. The music was harder. Everything was a bit more edgy, including wrestling. Wrestling had to change its rhythm to get with the times. And that's what people don't seem to get. All right? The times changed again, and a lot of what did change that was 9-11. And that's also why Raw became Raw Zone, and not Raw is war, because they're like, you know what? War is a bad word. And there is a reason that people do make these decisions, the way it used to be. Let's take it to modern times. Kill, steam, kill. I, I listened to a podcast with Kevin Owens, Kevin Talk Steen. Owens. Jericho, right? Yeah, where he talks about, I'm the one that changed it to fight Owens' fight. Because killing, after that Sandy Hook massacre, upset him. And that's exactly right. Sometimes you don't realize how long society gets away with something and it's like, maybe that's not right. Look at the Confederate flag issue that's going on right now. Look at the whole gay rights thing that's going on where it's like, eventually there has to be a tipping point. And the Attitude Era existed in a time where, yeah, people wanted realness, in their entertainment, reality TV happened. They wanted realness in their wrestling. They wanted realness in their movies. They wanted them darker. They wanted realness in their comics. They didn't. Continuity became, everyone became so obsessed with continuity. That's what was going on. And that's why the attitude era is what it was. All right. And why it doesn't exist today. Because you know what? If society said we want it to be cursing again, they would do that. But as a majority, society doesn't want that. If you look at society, society is very PC. It's very much about gender equality, human equality, all of that stuff, you know. And the WWE right now, I think they've been they they they'll still tiptoe over it again. They're bringing the word bitch back again. And you want to know what? That's going to stop quicker than anything because one day someone's going to say, "Hey, bitch," that's derogatory toward women, okay? Because there are enough voices that say that now but it's still just not enough as to where it'll stop it one day. Just like we used to say gay, just like we used to say other, other words that, were, that are terrible, casually. Eventually, there's a day where it's like, that's not a good word. Fag is the new F word. You're more likely to say fuck on television than you are to say faggot. Right? And that's good. That's a damn good thing. All right? So will my stuff go in that direction? I don't think so, because as I've been growing, I just look at the way things are. And if you look at um, cartoons... And again, WWE is a perfect example. We're going to live in an age of what? What are we living in? We're living in an age of G-rated PG wrestling. And what's coming out on the network in a few weeks? Camp WWE. So we have PG wrestling with TVMA cartoons. How's that? It's not rock and wrestling with blood and guts You know, It's not rock and wrestling, animated, G-rated Saturday morning cartoons the way it used to be with blood and guts wrestling and violence in the real show. The real show is the thing that's censored, and the cartoon is the thing that's TVMA. Kind of mind-blowing to me. But if you look at all of media, that's the way it is. Some people say that we're losing some of the freedom of speech and some of this PC stuff, and some of the stand-up comedians do have a problem with it. But at the same time, if you look at video games, they're more violent than ever. You can now, I think, fuck hookers for points in Grand Theft Auto. That used to, A, not happen at all, and then B, be a hidden thing where you had to get a purple dildo that's a hidden secret code before you did that in Grand Theft Auto. Now, it's just a mode in the game where you have sex with someone, okay? I'm sorry. Little different, right? Little different. That's not going to go away. As much as people want to complain about certain rights getting taken, that's not a thing that's going away. You are allowed to create and put on the internet whatever you want, say whatever you want. These video games come out and they do whatever they want. It's crazy. And if you look at animation, animation's only going in that direction. All right? This season of South Park did something very different, and I'm not sure if you saw it, but they showed dicks. All right? South Park finally even pushed the envelope again. They showed dicks, full, there's a dick, there's a picture of a dick flopping around and rocketing off someone's body like a bottle rocket, which was hilarious, but it was still there showing dicks on TV, all right? That's where the cartoons have gotten to. And if you look at The Simpsons, The Simpsons is obviously far more over the edge than it used to be, but I think The Simpsons still obviously maintains its good rating, it's not too over the line, but man, they'll push the envelope when they want to, they'll slide in a joke, they keep it clever. Family Guy of me is not my favorite thing. I used to like it back in the day. They're a little more, uh, I've, I'll just fucking say lowbrow. And you know what? Fuck them. They insulted Tucson real bad this season. How dare they? That's where I'm living, toot, toot, Tucson. It's the best place on earth. But Family Guy to me kind of fucking lost its way and just got about, let's see how offensive we can be, let's see how rude we can be, and ignore the writing. And that's different. So you can see how most media everywhere... And again, now let's go to my media and my main thing. Because I, I talk about animation a lot because I, I look to the future. And in the future, I see Pistol Pana animated. But let's focus on the present. The present is now, and that's comics. Let's look at comics. Comics are the most uh, pushing the envelope and, and pushing the uh, borders of what you're able to do creatively more than anybody. Look at Archie alone. Archie comics alone in the past few years have been groundbreaking, introducing Gay characters having an interracial gay wedding, I believe, with the other guys a soldier, all right? They killed Archie in like a what-if book. What would happen? How would Riverdale deal with if Archie fucking bit it? They did that book, all right? Then you got Batwoman that's a lesbian. You have gay weddings in Marvel Comics. Marvel has been way ahead of the times, all right, with North Star. North Star got married, and they celebrated that a couple years ago, and now reality is caught up. Reality is caught up. And that, to me, shows how with art and with the media, you can get messages out. You can still push the envelope more than ever before. And the thing that always pushes the envelope is art and creativity. Things like animation, things like comic books, and I think comic books, especially in graphic novels, they talk about heavy stuff. Even going back to Mouse, talking about the Holocaust, using mice and cats. I'm well like aware, right. You know, and that, that it shows you how this has been going on with, since Underground Comics in the 70s talking about McMurder and how horrible McDonald's actually is. And it took to now where this year McDonald's is finally going to close some stores, you know, like that says a lot. And the reason that McDonald's is going to start to fail is because this generation is going to not be brought up on going to McDonald's. Being healthy is the thing to do. They're being raised on being healthy. We were. I wasn't raised on that. I wasn't raised on anything like that. But it's not the normal thing that's an American slice of apple pie and a glass of milk to go to McDonald's. And hell, even milk might have been a whole fucking lie to America. Who knows? Because I think almost everybody's lactose intolerant, it seems. But that's how it all works. It's, it goes in trends and art is always pushing the envelope. And underground comics, comic books, being creative and getting that message out is the thing that happens first because you know what? It's hard to shout to everybody at once because everybody loses it. They lose their minds. A man is smart, a, a, you know, 10,000 men is, is the stupidest thing you'll ever talk to. Try and order that pizza. No one's agreeing on a topic. Okay? But individually, people are smart. And that's how it has to work. And that's why when people are doing things underground, it's not getting to as many people at once. But it's getting to the right people, the people that already kind of believe this, the people that already kind of looking at this. And that's how things happen. Again, going back to that Confederate flag thing. How many people have said that about the Confederate flag for a long time? And it finally takes this much where it's finally enough people that it's like enough people of the majority that say, you're the minority. Get rid of it. And hell, if there's not a joke in there that the people want the Confederate flags are the minorities, how's that? (laughs) That, Idiots.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so to get back to Piss Off Panda, um, it's going to be 13 years old in a few days. Yes, it is. Uh, Happy early birthday to Piss Off Panda. Woo! Um, So how do you feel that your character has evolved from day one up to now?
1: Definitely, it's been the same as me, and even the character itself has evolved just with the stylistic choices. Um, and again, I, I I'll always I'll use Garfield all day long because I love I love Garfield more than almost any cartoon ever, and I love Jim Davis. Um, if you look at the evolution of Garfield, um, and and even if I want to, I can use the Peanuts. Okay, I could use I can use Charlie Brown. L- look at uh, look at Garfield. Look at Garfield uh, strip one. And year one and look at the peanuts especially in strip one year one how super adorable they were super tiny Garfield way over fat way ridiculous Garfield as he evolves over time looks nothing like a cat at all right His big feet now he's got these long skinny legs his big feet arms all that stuff Garfield used to work on the physics of being a cat but he evolved over time um the peanuts kind of got a little taller too and look you know but but not much change there with Pistol Panda, the evolution's the same. He used to be kind of super tiny, but he was very round. Because, as you know, you, you described pandas before they're round; they're adorable, they're tub, they're tubby, they're bumbly. Uh, with comics and with cartooning, I learned about this in SBA. It's called the power of the icon, and you want something that you make to be a recognizable silhouette. If you looked at a silhouette of Bender, there was from Futurama, or even Fry. There's no other character that has that silhouette. You'd be able to pick out Bender, Fry, Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse especially is the best example, the power of an icon, like it's a logo. You want your character to be that defined in one color, one black on white color. So with Pistol Off Panda, um, there was that. If you even look at him to a degree, there might be some of the similarities to the Mickey Mouse design. Um, but with the way he is, he's got, as he's gotten older, his feet have gotten bigger, He's gotten a little, he's gotten a little uh, fatter. There was a point where he got a little too thin and a little tall. And I, 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 I realized it. It was around 2005 and 2006. I realized it and pulled back again and made a stylistic choice. His ears are now pointy and sharp. They're triangles. They're not kind of these nice roundy ears that they were before. Uh, his head is all points and edges. It's like a fishbowl, but, but that's the way it used to be drawn, like a fishbowl. But now it's sharp. He's got sharp cheeks. He's got sharp pointy hair, sharp triangular ears. Uh, His shirt is very sharp points, and his feet come to points. Everything about him is sharp and super, like, edge because he's aggressive. I want it to be that. That's exactly it. Um, With pig penis, what do you think I did opposite of that? Super roundy. Everything's round. He doesn't have a point on him. Even his tail doesn't have a pigtail point. Some of the older ones do, but then I realized, let's make it just kind of look like if we put a sausage in a knot and just make it roundy. Everything on him is round and curvy. So it's soft. And these things sound like, oh yeah, duh, that makes sense. But, and honestly, if I'd taken one class, maybe someone would have told me that. You know, I don't think that I'm stumbling on, but some of these ideas you do have to stumble on your own, even if it is a commonly known thing. You know, telling a classic adventure story, there is a a way to do it. But if you've never been taught the outline and the way to do it, and then you write a story that turns out it has, like, oh, it has this thing and then a challenge and then that resolution, which leads to two new challenges, and then the big conflict right before the big resolve, oh, then you did it. No one told you. Well, then, all right, thank goodness. So the thing I'm talking about now, it's not some brilliant idea, but as you kind of mold something, you know, you eventually kind of figure out all the flaws that are wrong with it. You know, one of the things that happened with him that I realized I would need to change, is the character himself even on paper? He didn't talk for seven years. I never drew him with one word balloon. Sounds
0: he like would only Eric Young.
1: yeah. He would only do <clears throat> hmmph would be his like catchphrase. Just him going, <clears throat> you know, him being just annoyed at stuff and grumbling about things. And that was also because I almost took something a little too seriously that we learned in school. And that was them having a problem with comics and modern comics and splash pages and all this shit. It's not storytelling. And what they really did in school was t- they wanted to teach us storytelling. Panel for panel for panel. A man gets in his car. He gets drives down the road. There's a shot. And he's pulling up to the airport. Not A man is walking toward the plane and you just write. He got his clothes together. He took the road. There was traffic. He's at the airport now. You know, you can't cheat it by putting words in. You have to be able to read that story if there's not one ounce of dialogue. Even Marvel did this once with the Nuff said month. They're like, let's do every comic with no words. And you have to read this story. And some of them were flops, but some of them were like, that was a really good story that this person really, they met the challenge of they're going to tell a great story with not one word alone. You know? And that, that was some of what I was doing. I didn't want him to talk. And part of it was like, what would he sound like? And I didn't know. But then the thing that really taught me the lesson on that is, is, the, uh, is thinking about animation. And that was, when I went to school, I took cartooning because at the time, I would have just been one of the thousands of names at the end of The Lion King. That's what I always told everybody. So a couple years after I graduate, what, what's the biggest thing on the internet? It's flash animation. And what is my favorite thing on earth? Homestar Runner. And if you've never seen Homestar Runner, anybody out there, or you, Andrew, you have to go look at Homestar Runner. And go check out Strong Bad. It's the funniest thing ever. And that was done by two brothers and their girlfriend did one of the voices. Two creative guys that were so funny and so good at doing some funny fucking voices that they made a cartoon all on their own that every company on earth was trying to buy. Everyone offered the money. And it's in the papers. Millions of dollars they offered. And they're like, no. Because the second producers get mentioned or writers get mentioned, they would get cold feet and say, no, not, not cold feet. They just make a decision of, no, I will not do this. This is ours. This is ours. And I can't give it away. And that is some of the way that I feel. So as I started to think about, I even took, let me tell you, I even went and took a guitar class and voice lessons, singing lessons, because I figured, well, if I'm going to be making my own songs for my cartoons, I better learn how to, sing. you know, that's how much I'm kind of like, I do it all on my own type of thing. Um, and I'm trying to get past that as well. I do need to ask for help. I need to get more help. I need to get more people involved and try and look at this like, hey, it's not like Stan Lee's there saying, only I'll draw Spider Man forever, true believe it. No, he's like, I made this thing. If I get a couple people work on this, I can make a new thing, get a couple people work on that. I can make a you know, and do that eventually. He worked on it himself and with Jack Kirby for a long time, then eventually it's like, let's pass the torch and let someone else make our characters happen. So who knows if I get to that point, but asking for the help of maybe I could have someone color it instead of me coloring it, that would be great. But that's the thing about... Uh, I feel like I'm losing my train of thought for a second, but uh, th- that's that's the thing about... Um, refresh me on what the question was.
0: Um, I-, I was asking how it evolved. Okay.
1: So, uh, I mean, that's just really the evolution, I guess, is just... The more I've uh, I've grown up and gotten older is the more that I realized, like, uh, oh, yeah, because I was talking about him not talking. And I was talking about Homestar. Um, And that was an evolutionary choice of having him finally talk. Because if you look at Homestar, all them Looney Tunes, what makes every Looney Tune? Why do you remember the Looney Tunes? And why do you remember Goofy and Donald Duck and Elmer Fudd? It's because of their speech impediments and because of their voices and because of their unique way that they sound, not just the way that they look. And that was it. I realized, you know, Pissed Off Panda will work because I need a, I need a quality voice. I need a good character voice for him. Otherwise it won't matter if he never says anything, it's not going to work as well because he's the star. You know, it's one thing to have Jay and Silent Bob, but Jay talks enough for the two of them, you know, and that's the thing. If this thing's starring Pissed Off Panda, even though much like you're talking to me now and I'm a fucking motormouth and I got more words than a fucking thesaurus, um, the, uh, the character of me is not the star pistol hand is the star you know so i'll be there to be talking and doing whatever he's going to he's got to be able to drop in his one liners that are going to shut me up or his insults you know that that put me in my place. Most of his word balloons will will be one and three word word balloons. You know, there's not going to be. A, he's not going to talk a lot. He's not going to go on a big diatribe of, of of thought balloons, word balloons, or anything like that. But he needed to have a voice, so that was a huge evolutionary choice. And it took seven years to get to that. To say that my cartoon character even talks, like that's a hell of a thing, too, right? So yeah, it, it's been a weird, It's been an evolution, and that's what some of these uh some of these things are. I told uh, someone once that I was drawing, a, I drew these super cute snails, all right? And I drew them, and I'm like, oh, look at those. But then I was stuck somewhere, and I was waiting for a ride. I was like, all right, well, let me keep drawing this. Let me not turn the page. I'll just keep drawing this. Let me just keep drawing this. This character, just this one character. And I'm sure people draw characters all the time. What if you actually stumbled on one and Like, what if I actually kept drawing this character, this one image of this character, and really fine-tuned it, fine-tuned it? And I, I wound up working on that snail character for three hours, just sitting there, like, really sculpting this character because I was stuck. And I'm like, wow. I got such a better result than times where I'm like, let me let me draw a squirrel. Let me draw this. Let me draw that. And I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. Or that's enough. No, that's not enough. Let's get it to that point and look at that as the foundation and then ask myself all these questions about, well, what would make a snail funny? And what would a snail's eyes be if they were funny? Or what would about a shell and what would make it this and that, and that? And try and think about every aspect that would make this character. And it's like, oh, that's what made me Think of, the, you know, think of what his skin would look like because they're slimy or think of this and think of that because of whatever, you know, stuff like that. So really putting in the extra effort just in one sitting evolved the character. Think about 13 years. This character has evolved a lot. I know this character and this is what I get a lot. It's like, wow, you know this character inside now. I'm like, well, I fucking better because not only is he a part of me, but I've been hanging out with him for a good long time.
0: <laughs> so to turn the focus, uh, you've obviously published two works prior to the current project you're working on. How do you publish and how do you raise funds to you know publish your work and get it out there?
1: Well, everything I've done so far was always just my own pocket. We all have jobs. I have a job. I work full-time. All right? I used to be as a bartender, It used to be as a, as a waiter, but the problem with a job like that is if you work somewhere, and this is my advice to any creative person, any art person out there, All right. You need a job to fail up at. We all have our real dreams and aspirations, but everybody's got to work. So I was like, all right, I need a job to fail up at, and by that I mean I was a bartender. I was a waiter. I yeah, guess what you make if you work as a bartender and a waiter, you make a dollar a drink. Ten years later, you make a dollar a drink. All right, you're not doing anything more. Yeah, maybe you're now you're the manager or whatever. I guess, but whatever. So that uh, that that's kind of that's uh, kind of that's kind of that. That's kind of that Theory again. I'm losing my train of thought because I'm using analogies. But um, I uh, raising the money and getting this. I just paid for it all myself. So every dime that uh, that I've spent. Oh, I was from a failing up. So I got a job that I I could progress at, and it was initially going to be a bank, right? Not a creative job. A job at a bank, all right? And I of course was like, I need to create a creative job. I need to create a creative job. But it was getting to the point where I was so you know hard up and didn't want to be a bartender. I was tired of it. That I needed to get a, a quote unquote real job with benefits, that was the other thing It was benefits. Um, so I, I wound up getting a job luckily and I'll just say that I work at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's has an art position. Every Trader Joe's has an art position. They have a couple of people that make every single sign in the store and you get a lot of freedom and it's a lot of fun and Trader Joe's actually has great benefits and they're, the, the, they cap out at a really good amount, I mean they cap out, they pay their employees really well. So I wound up getting that job and that's my job that I can fail up at. And here's the thing, I've now been working at Trader Joe's for six to seven years. All right? So I'm making the almost the most I can make at this job. I'm making almost all my benefits are maxed. It's great. Like, okay, as opposed to the other thing that I was doing, and let's pretend that my right arm got severed in a, in a goddamn bus accident tomorrow. Well, I can then say, well, I've worked at this company for a while, Maybe I should apply to be a manager, uh, one-handed manager at that point, but a manager, and I know that I would be a good manager. And then as I move forward, and now maybe I'm 45, maybe I can be the entire store manager and I have a career. A store manager at Trader Joe's, like the guy on the top, I'm pretty sure they make six figures. I'm not. I can tell you, they make six figures. Okay? <laughs> so that's a job that I'm like, all right, if I commit to some place and this is going to be my job, well... If I'm not successful doing comics and my cartoons and all that stuff, because keep in mind, the failure rate is pretty big. Trying to be trying to make it you know, on your own and do this, it, it's hard, very difficult. So you need something to be able to, if I'm going to take care of a family, because that's the thing, I'm approaching 35 years old. That's the other part of this. Yeah, my 20s, you think I gave a shit about all that? No, but I'm approaching 35. I don't have a kid yet, but I kind of thought I would have kids by now. And if I did... You can imagine my money would not be going into Comic-Cons. My money would not be going into making comics. It would be going into diapers. You know, and that's exactly it. Talk about taking a shit with your money. That's where your money's going.
0: It's getting so shit sorry, I'm so sorry. That's...
1: No, it's the truth because my friends have babies. And, and again, that's their goal. They, they weren't trying to do whatever. They have their jobs and you have families. And that is a, that's a success. But that's where their money goes. So all of my money goes to what I'm trying to do. All my endeavors. They go to Comic-Cons. Comic-Cons ain't cheap. I just, the Philadelphia Comic-Con, that was $700 to go to Philadelphia Comic-Con just to have a booth. That's insane, right? But I believe in myself and I believe in what I'm doing. Then there's the sacrifice part. Since I was a big nerd growing up, I said, okay, let me buy all these action figures and toys and statues and stuff and collect them and keep them mint in box. They'll be worth money one day. I wasn't wrong. They are. So what am I hanging on to him for? If now's the, what was I, what was the day? When was the day to be like, all right, time to sell the collection. The day finally came because I decided it's time to do it. I stopped being a collector. And as a big nerd, we all know that, man, you can collect the hell out of stuff these days. Uh, I don't, I don't buy action figures anymore. I don't buy DVDs, especially I used to collect DVDs. And unfortunately I don't buy comic books as much. Uh, Unless I'm at Comic-Con because the only only place I spend my money at Comic-Con is Artist Alley. And that's a goddamn promise. I go down Artist Alley at Comic-Con. That's where all my money goes. Because I don't need a new t-shirt. I have enough t-shirts. I don't need mainstream comics. I'll read them digitally in six months or I'll read them when I go get the books at the library. That's how I read my mainstream comics. I go to the library and I get them for free because I can't afford it. Because my money is going into me. And that's what I tell everybody to do. And I've had friends at points where it's like they want to be artists or do this or do that. It's like, oh, I'm so broke. I'm so broke. And now I see what they spend their money on. I'm like, you ain't broke. You're just spending your money somewhere else. And uh, someone once even said to me, oh, I need a new sketchbook. I'm like, go buy a sketchbook. Oh, I don't have any money for that. You don't have, what's a sketchbook, $13? You don't have $13 for your art career? Well, good. Don't buy a sketchbook. Put your pencils down and go fuck yourself, okay? Because that's, that's, I'm sorry. That's a joke. If you can't put that much into what you want to call your career, then there's something wrong with you, all right? And that's the point. So all you people out there should be putting your money into yourself. You don't need to buy DVD sets. You don't need to buy all this material possession stuff. Get enough of it. Get like, I have my Superman shirt. I've got one. I don't need 15 of them, okay? I don't uh, don't subscribe to HBO. I don't know what's going on in Game of Thrones. And you know what? I'm okay with it. Because I'd rather be playing the game and making content than sitting on my couch and absorbing it and doing nothing else. Because Lord knows there's a ton of content out there now, more than there's ever been before, and it all lines up. It all syncs together. Man, you gotta watch. You got to watch this show on ABC to watch the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., to watch the uh, Agent Carter special miniseries to know what's going on in Captain America, which is going to connect to the Avengers, which is, you know, like... Wow, I better commit how many hours of your life is that to sitting and staring at that goddamn television? It's a lot. And I'm talking and I'm talking about it now like it's different because it is different, because it's comics. It's the stuff you love. It is Captain America. It's the coolest shit. You've never been enticed more by the devil to sit and fucking watch content on television than ever before. And I'm telling you, sometimes you gotta wait. Wait and do your own thing. Make your own stuff and make yourself a priority, especially with your money in your wallet. Make yourself priority. I also just bought an 11 by 17 scanner because how big are comic pages? They're 11 by 17. And for years, I'm suffering scanning one half of the page and the other half of the page and then photoshopping it together for an hour and a half. What am I doing? What am I doing? An hour and a half? Maybe not an hour and a half because I'd be bad at photoshop. But an hour? Let's say it's an hour? Time is money. Every hour I've ever scanned every comic page, what a waste of time. You know? Because now it's just I bought something for 250 bucks and I hit scan once and it's scanned. You know, you gotta invest in yourself. That's you gotta do. So that's where the money for this comes from. It comes from my day job. And then it comes from because I've never made a dime off pissed off panda. You know, you go to the Comic Cons and it's me versus everybody. It's me versus Spongebob Squarepants as much as it's me versus, you know, Deadpool and all Wolverine fan art and all, the, and all the 11 by 17 fan arts and all that stuff. People don't recognize it and they don't understand what it is. So they just think that it's it's not cool or they've never heard of it. So who knows? There's a certain type of people out there and a lot of them need to be told something's cool before they like it. Lots of people don't watch something season one, episode one, you know, but Man, the season finale of Breaking Bad had more people watching than ever before. Because finally, society has told us, this is the show, everybody. You know? And that's how things work with tons of people. So I've noticed as I do Comic-Cons, you got to show up. And that's how you get jobs, too. you got to show up. you got to be the person that writes that letter and submits it ten times, just like I was talking about earlier, because you're the person that showed up ten times. you got to go to Comic-Con after Comic-Con after Comic-Con, because I don't know how many comics I've sold to... You know, this is the third time I've seen you, and... I've got to know what this is all about. Why not the first time? Why not the second time? Hey, maybe the third time is a charm. And that's how it works. People have to be comfortable before they're ready to see something new. Because now it's not new. They're comfortable with it. They've seen it a few times. Who are you? What's this all about? And then I get to do my thing. And I'm really good at selling my own thing. You know, and that's, that's, um, that's the other thing that I do pretty good at as far as I'm concerned. I love promoting and selling and being maniac and being funny and getting on stage and having a podcast and doing a show and making jokes and being a guest on a podcast, my th- I think that I'm going to get on my business card professional podcast guest. I want it. I think I need to make that a goal because I love doing these things. I love them. They're so much fun. To talk about creativity, to talk about it with people that are being creative and want to just collect and, and express and, and, and talk to other creative people, even if they're not creative themselves... Because they love it and they love this stuff and they want to do talk about what they did review on Netflix or reviewing a video game or whatever. Because it's fun and it's a different type of creativity. You know, so even if you are just one of these people that just you're not creative, but you and you do sit down and you do want to do something, you watch a lot of television, hey, make a blog about your opinion on it. Make a podcast about it. Who knows? Yours might wind up being the best one, even if it's just local. Because don't, don't overlook how much local matters. That's another big thing I do in Tucson. I love it here. I love local stuff, right? I support all my local people. And I'll tell you, and this is what I say on all these things, and I share links. Share links on the internet, okay? Not just from BuzzFeed and not just from The Onion. Share your friends' links that have bands, share your friends' links that make comics, share your friends' links to just an event that they're going to. Because they want people to show up to this thing that they really care about. And they want people, buy your friend's album, for God's sakes. I always equate things to beer. Because when you go out, how many beers do you have? Oh, like six? Like, oh, six, that's five? That's not even a lot. Yet when I ask you for $5 somewhere else, $5? It's like, that's what a beer is. In fact, your friend's band CD is only two beers. Oh, you're right. That is only two beers. And when you equate something like that, it makes $10 not seem like a lot because it shows someone how quickly they throw away $10 on beer, glug. And that's something that they're out paying $10 for when they know they could buy that at the store for $1, you know? Like that's how it works. So sometimes you've got to kind of put things in perspective with people and, and show them what something is actually worth. Because since you know me or since you know that guy that is in a band or since you know that person that's doing that thing, Hitting that share button to that person means so much you have no idea because it never gets touched. All right, And even on posts where I do like share, 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 you should share links, blah, 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 people like, I'll get 28 people that like that post and they don't share it. It's so insane to me that on a thing that's all about how sharing is the only thing that makes them work, 30 people like it. It's insane, right? But that's how people are because they don't know if they feel good enough to be like, I endorse this, you know, unless they know it's really funny because it's a cat being adorable or something like that on the internet. And that's how people work. So my thing that I ask everybody on every single thing I've ever done, share your friends' links, share your friends' links, buy their CD. Even if you're never gonna listen to it, buy it. It's $5, probably maybe $10, $10. Appreciate the artwork that's on the cover buy it because that friend will never forget it because that's me too. I've gone to every one of my shows, my friend's shows, everyone, I'm the guy that buys their album. And the other way that you were asking me about money and, and I think I, I'm something I'm leaving out, crowdsourcing and crowdfunding. I recently did do some crowdsourcing and crowdfunding and I use Kickstarter. Um, know that that I have one that worked and I have one that is going on right now, but we can just say it's not going to work. It failed. All right? and. I have been quietly trying to make a choice on how to do this. Do I take it down because I know it's going to fail? Do I promote it right to the very last minute? Or do I decide what I've decided? I'm just going to fail loudly and proudly. I tried this thing. I tried Kickstarter. I put my idea out there and I put all this effort out there. And the only reason that I'm on this podcast is because some of the effort got to you. Right, so that means, hey, that's a, it
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, I'm making a ripple. Something happened, but this thing failed. Okay, I didn't make my money. I didn't get it, and that's fucking okay. Because you know why? I fucking tried. I tried, and I'm gonna tell everyone, look how hard I tried, because they see it. And the big, uh, the big thing, go back to local and go back to some of this thing that I've been getting, and I built a reputation for myself around here with the amount of effort. Because I'm on like this. I'm over 100 days of effort. I mean, 100 days of waking up, choosing to sleep less, choosing to sleep five hours a night because eight hours, man, that adds up quick. If you if you sleep five hours as opposed to eight, hey, you might be groggy, it might be whatever, but you get by, you always do, right? And man, three hours there, three hours there, three hours there, it adds up to a whole day real quick, basically by the end of the week. You know, that you've got an entire, you know, chunk of time to, you found like a, this extra day. So I've kind of built up this rep around here of you're like the hardest working man in town because I'm going out, I'm putting up all my own flyers, I'm posting things about what I'm doing, I'm on this podcast, I'm on this one's podcast, I called all the podcasts, emailed everybody, I'm in the paper. They're like, how did you do all this? I'm like, I I tried. I did it every single day. I tried really hard and I fucking failed. That's what's about to happen. You know what? I'm going to tell every single person that I failed because they saw how hard I tried. And everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And the lesson that everyone's going to get from it is that it's okay to fail because not a lot of people fail publicly. And I'll tell you, I can't wait to do it because you know what I think it's going to do? It's going to make the next time I do this, I'm going to take the lessons I've learned from this one, not trying to raise $8,000. That was far too much because I don't have enough of a fan base. I'm building a fan base, and I know that if I had used maybe GoFundMe or the other one, I would have gotten to keep the... It's around $1,500 that I did raise. And you know what? That's pretty cool. Me out of nowhere, just asking people on the internet, raised uh, $1,000. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, right now, it's about, it's about $1,200. It's like $1,150, okay? That's, I did that. Now, because it's Kickstarter, I don't get to keep it. Kickstarter is all or nothing. So I should have known my limits and said, this isn't going to be done based on fans that I have. It's going to be done based on mostly people I know. So I could have set an $8,000 goal on uh, GoFundMe or on Indiegogo or these other ones. And if I didn't meet my goal, I still would have kept that $1,000-something dollars, which I could use 1000 something dollars. That's great. That, so I'm going to learn that lesson. Maybe the next time I crowdfund, I'm going to use a different one where I get to keep what I get. Because I know that the small amount of support I'll be able to get again from every single person that donated – They'll donate again because it didn't cost them anything this time. They're gonna say, "Holy shit, I wanted him to succeed." They'll still want me to succeed when I try again, and I'm gonna try again. In just in a few months, gonna just take a. I'm gonna take a breath, start working on the project because I'm also trying to sell a project that's not exactly complete. It's just begun. Um, my screensaver keeps going off, so I'm not sure if it's cutting out. But I'm trying to uh, uh, do do uh, do the project that's. Uh, It it was something I'm selling like it's an idea, and I've got a little bit of it. Well, let me get some more of the project done. So it's a little more tangible, so it's a little more believable. And this way, it's easier to sell. Not like, hey, I'm selling you this idea. It's, hey, I'm selling you this, and I get to hold a piece of paper and show it. Um, So that's the lesson I took away from this. I, I, I did the crowdfunding. I recommend crowdfunding to anybody. But know that it takes a lot of effort, a ton of effort. Effort every day, as does any success, making it anywhere. It's just an amount of effort. This is not your 9 to 5 job. This is not something you can go in yawning, go in and ring your register, be half there, half not there. This is not that. This is your passion, this is your career that you want to make your career, and you got to treat it like your career and take it very seriously. You got to be very hard on yourself. Feel guilty when you're sitting there and Netflix is on. And you hear me, pick on Netflix all the time, right? Cuz it's the it's easy. It's easy to it's easy to pick on it. Because television still television, Netflix is bingeing. Netflix's people, they and I've done it myself, okay? That's how I got through Buffy the Vampire Slayer 10 years too late, was I watched it for seven hours straight. That's what I did with Lost, too. I watched that shit for seven hours straight. Like, that's a day. And then the only reason you stop is because, man, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from all this television watching. So you got to be careful because it's called binging. And binging, you know, you can't purge to get time back, you know? Binging with food, binging with alcohol, binging with anything usually is, is looked at as a negative. Yet the only place that's not looked at as a negative is our, our Netflix viewing. Oh, we can binge it and we cheer. Binging is still relatively a bad thing. So be careful with your time. Time is money. Time is your life. And if you want to make money doing the thing you want to do for the rest of your life, then you've got to put the work in and you got to wake up earlier and go to bed later. Get money where you can make money where you can. And again, if you can draw, get on that friggin' internet and go to every single one of these sites, make a blog on every one of them because that's another thing that I did. I, I'm, on, I'm on every social media site now. And I'm not the biggest social media guy, but you kind of turn into one because you have to be. That's modern times. Uh, one of the one of, I'll give you a trick or a clue. You can get it so that if you post once, it posts to everything. Instagram does it a lot. Instagram, if you post on Instagram, it goes to Twitter, facebook instagram and i started a tumblr because it does it automatically i've never been to this tumblr who cares it's there i've checked it's all there you know there are people that live in our own little worlds they subscribe to our own we live in a world of subculture now because of how big the world's gotten so that's the difference where you don't have to make something that's going to be as popular as let's say borat was borat swept the nation right you can find your subcultures of people that will love and adore you that, like I said, I brought up Homestar Runner. And again, I'm not sure if you did hear of it or not. But that, to a few million people, is the best thing ever. Yet you've never heard of it because you can live in subcultures now. My roommate has no idea what Justin Bieber looks like at all, all right? Some people might be like, that's impossible. Nope, because you can live in a subculture now, all right? And his world is Video games and online gaming, and he's in school for being a biomedical engineer. You think he looks at anything close to anything that have to do with Justin Fucking Bieber? No. So he's never been exposed to it, and that's a lot of people. So you got to find your audience because it's out there. You're not gonna, you don't have to make it in the mainstream. You don't. You can find ten thousand people that think that you're fucking great, and you'll be a success. Because they will buy your things and fund you. And you might have to still work at a job. But maybe you don't have to work there as much. And then maybe eventually you don't. And then you can make your own products because you have an Etsy store. Or you're on artfire.com. Or you're on all these stores that 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 provide that. Or you teach. I taught myself how to screen print. So that I can make my own shirts. I can make my own stickers. I can DIY. And that's another big message I'm all about. DIY. DIY. The most things that you can do yourself, do it yourself. Do it. There's all these, you know. There's all these sites that are made for artists to sell their, to for people to sell their own stuff. And if you can draw or make anything or even sew or knit, you can make money on it. You can knit a hat. You can put it on Etsy and make money off of that hat. And if you think that that hat's worth hundred dollars, then hey, try and charge hundred dollars for it and get hundred dollars. Maybe it is. We just saw some asshole selling other people's Instagram photos in New York City for $90,000 because the world's a fucking crazy place. All right? But Lord knows that fucking idiots
0: have money. So what's oh, my final do? question before yeah. we get to plugs.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I'm not plugging enough. I'm talking so long. I warned you. I warned you.
0: It's all good. <laughs> so do you ever get pissed off at Pissed Off Panda?
1: Do you mean me in general or like does my cat does the character get pissed off or what? Like how do you mean do I get pissed off pissed off panda?
0: You're your character.
1: Oh yeah, we fight all the time.
0: And how does it get resolved?
1: Again, that's where it does help where Pig Venus uh steps in. Because again, it's just someone to break up the argument, or if we get into a fight, uh that's that's a really fun thing. Actually, that, that does work. One of the one of the cool things going back to even the WWE, it is a little bit of a dream where because I love wrestling, okay? Uh, and especially especially the WWE. But I love all I love wrestling. I love ROH. And I love DCW, obviously, more than anything in the world. Um, and, yeah, and all that stuff. And the history of wrestling and all that. But uh, big WWE fan. Um, in every book I've ever made, anything I've ever done, I thank my mom. I thank dad. This one and that. And I thank the WWE. Because I always like to kind of get what I give. And, or, and give what I get, rather. Um, and I've gotten more entertainment and, and fun times and time spent binging and watching something in, from that company and from wrestling and wrestlers and professional fucking wrestlers that go out there and bust their ass so fucking hard and hurt themselves and fucking wind up goddamn crippled sometimes to be entertaining. Thank you. Thank you to all the professional wrestlers, all the independent wrestlers, and wrestlers in general. But yeah, I always thank the WWE in all my books. It would be an amazing dream to be doing something with them. Or, as time's gone on now, we see, uh, I love how the independent opportunity for people to be able to quit that company since WCW went out of business, and there is only the one Now we've seen ROH has stepped up, and and Lucha Lucha Underground has stepped up, and there are places in Japan, you can be an independent person, an independent entity, and make yourself a little famous in this world now because of all the social media. And it's true in wrestling as well. So I always had the idea that in my cartoon, associated with that company or not, if I could hire actors to be the voices of the characters, all I would hire would be former professional wrestlers. Oh my God, I would have wrestlers voicing everything, all right? That would be the dream. Now look where we are. All right, And plus the idea that, um, because I have a really funny idea and a pitch for what it would be if it was on WWE. It's it's a good concept. Um, But how funny would it be for them, free of their own creativity, to have met a guy and his character is a panda that loves wrestling. Based on almost that joke of the WWF with the panda that hates wrestling. And that's something that I've done with Pissed Panda, where in my universe, in the Frankenstein universe, the cartoon, professional wrestling, it's a very cartoony world. It's very Looney Tunes, all that stuff, anthropomorphic. Very, anything can happen. Handballs fall from the sky. It's a, no one can die. It's a cartoon, you know. Professional wrestling is the national pastime of America in my cartoon. It's not baseball. It's professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, so there's that part of it. Pissed off Panda, he doesn't like a lot. He hates everything, but he loves coffee and he loves professional wrestling, okay? That's one of the things that he loves. So that's why we're friends. We don't get along a lot, but we have that one common thing where professional wrestling is a thing. So what ends up happening is if we do get into a fight and if it gets physical, there is this part, which kind of is a callback to what you said earlier. I make this joke. He is a fucking bear. No matter what happens, like, he's a fucking bear. So it's like maybe the claws come out or he just bites my fucking jugular. Or something. And that's like, I'm wildly injured, but it's a cartoon, so I'll always be fine. You know? Um, so there's that joke. But we always kind of wind up in a wrestling match. Like, so it's funny you ask, like, if there's a fight, what happens? It's a wrestling match, to a degree. Because we'll wind up having fights. But it's not, I don't draw fights like in comics. I draw fights like it's a wrestling match. It's he's got me in a sharpshooter. Okay? I'm punching him and he's fish hooking me. And, and, and Pigbenius steps in and like he'll throw on his referee shirt and says, no fish hooking. Venus Pig, uh, Pig is holding up the sign that says pork. Because every wrestling event needs a sign that says pork. Look at your history, folks. It's there. It's on every TV taping. So that's one of the things that happens a lot is there's always, there's always references to wrestling. But yeah, we're going to get into physical confrontations. We're going to fight. We get into arguments. Because again, I'm not John Arbuckle. I'm not just like a sap that he gets the better of every minute. He's probably going to get the better of me most of the time because I'm still more of a goofy character, but I'm going to fight with him and we're going to fight and we're going to wind up in a wrestling match where, you know, because why not? I think it's funny. That's what my fight scenes kind of look like. They use wrestling holds. It's a fucking riot. So that's actually pretty funny. No one's ever asked me that, but that is my answer. And you know what? (laughs)
0: That's
1: a pretty good answer. I got to start using that as the promotion.
0: (laughs) So now finally getting into promos, what are you promoing?
1: All right. I'd say that the best thing to do, um, searching for me on the internet, search for Frank Powers. That's a way to find me. And yes, that is my real name, Frank Powers, P-O-W-E-R-S. Um, but you can also search. I always said I was far too fragile for, uh, or what's called? I always said with a name like that, I should either wound up being a porn star or a wrestler. But I'm far too fragile for both. So uh, you can search me at Frank and Stylin. That's F-R-A-N-K-E-N-S-T-Y-L-I-N. Tell Google, no, you did not mean Frankenstein, because that's what always happens. But I'm Frankenstein on Instagram, on Twitter, on uh, all my all my Tumblrs, blogs, eBay store, everything. That is me. I identify with that. Frankenstein. So check that out. Go to com. That's going to be – I'm going to relaunch my websites very soon. Um, and – That's going to be my new store will be Frankenstein.com. I finally, it's like, hey, let's just get someone to make me websites that are up, running, functional, professional. And luckily, I have an old friend that saw what I'm doing and so much effort I'm putting into it. And he's like, I can smell the money. We have to do this. Like, we have to get an, I, and fix my websites, so I'm going to get a brand new store updated soon. We've already completely updated PissedOffPanda.com. We just have to launch it. I just want to make sure it's all like done and wait for my Kickstarter to end and do that as my next kind of media push. For the last hundred or so days, I've been promoting the Kickstarter. Now that that's ending, I'm going to start promoting PissedOffPanda.com, promote my web store, you know, and all that, and then do another uh, funding project smaller so that i can get it i'll have the book kind of maybe half done by then so people can see it so that'll be really good too so on kickstarter go add me to people if you're if you're a kickstarter because kickstarter you can add people or follow people i'm frankenstyling on that as well again it's not frankenstyling with an ing it stops with an n -N -N f-r-a-n-k-e-n-s-t-y-l-i-n because you know everything's cooler if it doesn't have the g that's (laughs) why. but that's it and go to pistolpanda.com now check it out Franken-style is the best. That's me, Frank Powers. And uh, I don't know. I think that's about it. Oh, and you can also find me on iTunes because you know what? I also have a podcast. So I have a podcast because when I started doing this and promoting the Kickstarter project and promoting Pistol Panda, I'd been talking about podcasting. I'd had a bunch recorded. It's like, you know what? Let's finally do it. And doing this project – made me unleash every effort i've had i finished old drawings old paintings old posters started my podcast updated my websites i've done more in the past hundred days than i have in a few years it's been great dive into things give yourselves deadlines because if you don't give yourself a deadline you're just dead in the water and and i don't know that's that's really the bottom line but go look for my podcast it's called after hours with frank powers And it's a lot more of this type of stuff, where I talk about art, I talk about being creative. But be warned, I might just fucking inspire you. Because I think I'm going to take it out of the comedy section and put it in the inspiration section. Because you know what? This is the way I talk. And all I'm ever trying to do is to get all your fucking asses off the couch, get a pencil in your hands or some dancing shoes on. Go out there and make a fucking difference with your creativity or your fucking big idea or whatever stupid invention you do have. Go fucking try it. Do it. Do it. Hit stop. On whatever the fuck you're watching and fucking playing and, and sitting there and staring. And fucking go and fucking do something. So that's what After Hours of Prank Powers is like.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes as well as where other podcasts are found. And in the meanwhile, while you're waiting for next week's episode, you can check out my website, popanimecomics.com for articles relating to comics, anime, and pop culture. Till next time, have a great week.